you turn to Galatians chapter 1, we'll be reading verses 10 through 24. Galatians 1, verses 10 through 24. Hear the word of the Lord. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who had called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in persons to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. You may be seated. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord remains forever. If you would, please bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and honoring in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week we started a series in the book of Galatians. And this week uh, we're moving on to verses 10 through 24. And we get a story here of Paul's life. I don't know about you, but I love stories. I love them. Uh, I get engrossed in good books. I'm engrossed in one right now. It's called Fearless. I'm not all the way through it, but I highly recommend it. Um, It's actually about a Navy SEAL who grew up in Hot Springs, not far from here. Uh, A friend of mine in Augusta knew that I was moving to Arkansas. He himself is in the Navy, and um, he said that I should read this book, and it is riveting. Um, I get to learn about places around here, uh, Hot Springs, Conway, Little Rock, uh, places that I'm not familiar with yet, but look forward to getting familiar with. Uh, I can't put it down. It is a great book, and I get engrossed in good stories. 
It's one of the reasons why I like the Lord of the Rings so much. It's because it's such a good story. Or the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. It's such good stories. Um, Stephanie and I have a lot of stories to tell of this past week, of our moving in experience, of me spending Sunday night in the ER, and um, uh, a lot of stories, a lot of sermon illustrations will be coming from this past week. I'll try not to use them all uh, in one, one week, um, but there were a lot of unexpected events that happened uh, that make for good stories, and um, uh, I did want to say thank you to those who were able to help out on Monday. Uh, not only move the people out who were in, in the house, but also to move us in as well. We really appreciate it, and uh, I know the former owners appreciate it as well. So, uh, so thank you for that. But last week, as we started through the book of Galatians, we started by defining the gospel. The reason that I wanted to go through the book of Galatians is so that we could focus on the gospel. Um, Last week I quoted Tim Keller uh, in his commentary on Galatians as defining the gospel this way. That the gospel is the message that we are more wicked than we ever dared to believe. But more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever dared to hope. And last week we also talked about uh, Paul's purpose in writing the book of Galatians. He's doing two things. He's wanting to defend the gospel first and foremost, but he also has to defend himself and his authority as an apostle. And so as he is defending the gospel and defending himself, his authority, he is using an illustration. He's using the illustration of his life. He's telling the story of his life. And as he illustrates this, he is illustrating to us the power of the gospel in his life. So from Galatians 1.10 through 2 verse 14, Paul gives detailed information about his own life to prove his points here. He describes his conversion experience, the circumstances that were following that. He explains some of the meetings that he had with Cephas, otherwise known as Peter, and uh, James, the brother of Jesus. The reason that Paul is telling this, that he is giving his autobiography here, is that he, Paul is proving that he has an authority, that he is an authority as an apostle, because he has seen Jesus. The other apostles at that time, they were given the, the title of apostle because they had been with the Lord. Paul can claim that as well because of his conversion experience. He also gives this detailed autobiographical, autobiographical information to prove that Paul's gospel is the same. That it's not any different from these apostles because his gospel that he is preaching is not his. It's God's gospel. It is the gospel. So this morning as we look at this passage, we're going to notice that God's amazing grace can change even the worst of sinners. And therefore, we should be able to, and we should, live to the praise and the glory of God. So as a a good Presbyterian, I've got three points this morning. Uh, First of all, God's amazing grace can change even the worst of sinners. Second, that God's amazing grace comes from God alone. 
And finally, that God's amazing grace leads to the praise and the glory of God. So God's amazing grace can change even the worst of sinners. So Paul begins Galatians here by describing what he calls his former life in Judaism. And he describes himself as extremely zealous for the traditions of his fathers. You see, Paul was a Jew of all Jews. He was on track to become a Pharisee. Uh, This was back before his name was changed. He was known as Saul previously in his life. And as he was going through this training to become a Pharisee, he was advancing well beyond his peers. In a sense, he was, he was a prodigy. He was like a, like a Mozart. He was, in a sense, like a, like a Tiger Woods before things happened in his life. But he was, um, he was advancing way beyond everyone else. And what he was doing was intensely persecuting the church of God. If you have your Bibles with you and want to turn back to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 7 describes, uh, in 6 and 7, describes the stoning of Stephen. Stephen was the, one of the first deacons that was appointed in the church, and he was the first Christian martyr. He gives this eloquent sermon about the gospel as he is being sentenced to die. And at the end, as people are casting stones at Stephen, um, Saul is on the scene. And this is what uh, is described about Saul in chapter 7, verse 58. Then they cast him, which is Stephen, out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And if you skip down to chapter 8, verse 1, it says, And Saul approved of his execution. This was Paul. This was his life. This is what he was doing. If you look to two verses further in 8, verse 3, it says, Saul was ravaging the church, entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. A little later, we hear it described that Paul gets approval from the chief priest to go outside of Jerusalem, to go to Damascus, to arrest Christians there and to bring them back to Jerusalem to face trial. But after Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus, Paul's life was completely and utterly different. He had a 180 degree turn. As he is heading off to Damascus, one of the most amazing things happens to him. Suddenly he sees a bright light and he hears a voice from heaven and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He reacts like most of us would and says, who are you? What is going on? And he sees Jesus and he responds by saying, I am Jesus. I am the one whom you are persecuting. Um, after an experience like that, you can imagine what happened in Paul's life. Uh, he becomes a believer. He is baptized, and instead of trying to destroy the gospel, he begins preaching the gospel. 
He became one of the greatest missionaries in the church and church planners that the world has ever seen. He went on to write many books of the New Testament. And after spreading the gospel to much of the known world at that time, he himself became a martyr for the faith. Ironically, what he had been doing earlier in his life happened to him as, as he was martyred for his faith. Paul is using this illustration um, to defend the gospel, to prove the power of the gospel, that God's amazing grace can change even the worst of sinners. God can change anyone, even us. No one is too sinful to be saved. Paul was literally persecuting Christians. He was trying to put an end to Christianity. He wanted to stamp out the gospel. Uh, And yet God delivered him from that. This is good news for us today. um, Because we are not too different than Paul. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? Romans 3.23 describes that all are sinful. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are no different than Paul. Uh, We are in the same boat. We are by nature sinners. But we never have to ask the question or wonder what the answer is when we ask, can God save me? Because the answer is yes, he can. We may think that we have done some pretty awful things in our lives. There may be some things in our past that we're not proud of, some things currently even. But we never have to get to a point where we are too lost or too sinful for the grace of God. God is powerful to save. This is not only good news for us, but this is also good news for those who we love. Because we know that there is always hope. There is always hope. Hope. Today is Mother's Day. Um, and being a mom is hard. I don't know that from personal experience, but I can imagine. Uh, being a dad is tough too. Uh, but I feel like moms feel more. <laughs> they, um, and when, as they're raising their children, they're, I feel like, maybe more emotionally attached to their children. Um, and for Christians, Christian moms, being a, a mother is hard. Because the most important thing that Christian moms want is for their, their children to know the Lord, to give their faith over to Him. And their desire is for their children to know the Lord. I think one of the hardest things may be uh, is for those children who are prodigals. And we've all experienced that, or we know of people who have. And that's difficult. But I want you to know that there is hope because no one can ever be too far gone. There is no one who is ever too sinful for the grace of God. There is no one who can be too much of a prodigal. It doesn't matter how far a person goes, there is always hope. And this is good news for us. But why can we say that there is always hope? Why can we say that God's amazing grace can even change the worst of sinners? Because God's amazing grace comes from God alone. It is God's work. 
The gospel is the good news about what God has done in Christ. Every time that Paul preaches the gospel, it's always in terms of God's actions. It's what God has done. The gospel is the message. It is, it is news. It is not what we have to do. It is what God has done. If we look here at verses um, 15 and 16, we see Paul describing, but when he, as in God, set me apart before I was born, who called me by his grace, when he was pleased to reveal his son that I might preach the gospel. Earlier in Galatians, we read that God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus delivered us from our sins. It's all done according to the will of God the Father. The reason that we can always have the hope of salvation is that God is more powerful than we could ever possibly imagine. Ephesians 3 verse 29 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. If you read through the book of Job and get to the end in chapters 38 through 40, God, in a sense, dresses down Job and describes in in great words how he created the world, how he measured it out, how he laid the foundations. God is eternally powerful. He is more powerful than we could possibly imagine, and no sin is too great for him. And we need to always remember that Jesus' blood and his sacrifice is sufficient and powerful enough to cover all sins. If you turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 9, where it describes this great high priest that we have in Jesus, and talks about the sufficiency of his blood. In verses 12 through 14, the writer of Hebrews says this, But he, as in Jesus, entered once for all into the holy places, not by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? See, the blood of Christ is sufficient to cover our sins. And it's not our work, it is God's work. And we need to be constantly reminded of this. Because if it was up to us, let's be honest, we would have no hope. Isaiah writes in Isaiah 64, verse 6, that we have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Romans 3.23, what I quoted earlier, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If it was our works, we would be hopeless. But thankfully, it is not up to us. It is God's doing. Um, my wife Stephanie and I experienced this recently. 
uh, I would say it was about two years ago that I felt like God was calling me uh, onward in ministry. It's probably the best way that I can describe that. Uh, I had been at my current call for over three years at that point, and um, I just felt this this calling onward, and I didn't know what that meant or or where that was to. And Stephanie and I pursued various avenues of ministry, and God just kept shutting doors for us. We didn't know why, um, but we would keep pursuing things, and it was just one closed door after another. We didn't understand what God was doing. Um, Finally, um, after probably a year, maybe a year and a half of doing that, um, we decided to step out in faith. Uh, we tried our way first, then we tried God's way. Um, that's what usually happens. And um, Stephanie asked me one day, well, what do you want to do? Uh, what do you feel called to? And I said, I feel like God's calling me to, to be a senior pastor somewhere. Um, and so she's like, well, then why don't you send your resume to some churches? I was like, can I do that? Should I do that? Um, so we picked out a, a small handful of churches, and we sent my information. And, um, and lo and behold, doors just started opening wide. It was, I don't even know how to describe it. It was unbelievable. Uh, we've never seen God work in, in such an amazing way, uh, opening doors so quickly. We... Uh, we had not received a call to Trinity yet, but we decided that we needed to put our house on the market so that we could, um, we didn't want to be stuck with a house. Like when we had moved from Florida to Georgia, we had tried to sell our house and we couldn't. So we said, let's just test the waters, see what God's doing. And lo and behold, three days later, our house was sold. We couldn't believe it. Um, the first people that came to look at it bought it. We were just blown away. Um, it just confirms to us when we try to do things our own way, we're going to encounter those closed doors. But when we try to do things God's way and when we surrender our lives to him, then the doors will open up. Um, I'm not going to say that everyone is going to sell their house in three days, but um, God will guide us and will direct us. And our response is to thank God for his amazing grace. This should be our honest, and this is our proper response. Because God is powerful enough to save sinners, our proper response should be the praise and the glory of God. God's amazing grace leads to the praise and the glory of God. You see, the reason why Paul shares his testimony here is not to proclaim himself and about how great he is. Paul shares his testimony so that the people would give praise and glory to God. When people found out about Paul's conversion, this is how Paul describes their reaction. He says, people glorified God because of him. They didn't praise Paul for finally seeing things from their perspective. It's not that he studied and he finally came to the realization that, that, uh, that Jesus is the Messiah. They didn't slap him on the back and say, I knew you'd finally come around. Congratulations. No, they gave the glory to God because it was God's doing in Paul's life. God received the glory and rightfully so. 
Honestly, no one would have ever imagined Saul becoming an advocate for the gospel. No one would have ever seen Saul becoming the Apostle Paul. Now, this is hard to imagine, but it would be something similar to a person the likes of maybe an Osama bin Laden converting to Christianity and starting to become a missionary and planting churches. That, just thinking about that, honestly, it it feels offensive to me. It is just too unbelievable. Um, But this is what Saul was doing. He was persecuting and trying to stamp out Christianity. And he became the greatest missionary the world has ever seen. This is what our God can do. If salvation comes from God alone, then God alone deserves the credit. Paul doesn't share his testimony so that people will praise Paul. He shares it so that people will give the glory to God. It's good for us to share our testimonies, to share the stories of what God is doing in our life. And as we share the stories of what God has done and is doing, we have opportunity to give him praise. We need to share with our children, as we contemplate Mother's Day, one of the important things we need to do with our children is to share our testimony. To share what God is doing in our lives. Um, As a five-year veteran of youth ministry, the best relationships that I saw of parents, between parents and teens, were the ones where parents were open and honest about their relationship with Christ to their students. They shared their spiritual ups and downs in a very honest way. It is right and it is good to tell the stories of our lives, particularly what God is doing, uh, not for our own glory, but for His, for the glory of God. So in conclusion, God's amazing grace can save even the worst of sinners. We need to be encouraged by this, that God can save us, that no sin is too great. Um, No sinner is too lost for God's amazing grace. No one is ever too far lost for God to save them through the blood of Christ. And we need to keep perspective that God's amazing grace comes from God alone. God is the one who saves sinners according to his amazing grace. We don't contribute to our salvation. God has done it for us. That is the gospel. It is the good news of what has been done. And finally, God's amazing grace leads to the praise and the glory of God. We need to share with others what God has done and is doing in our lives so that God will receive the praise and the glory and the honor that he deserves. Let us pray. Our most gracious God and our Father in heaven, we do thank you and we praise you for your amazing grace that you can change the hearts of even the worst of sinners, which is all of us here. We thank you for the gospel that it is the good news of what has already been done on our behalf. We thank you for the blood of Christ that can cover all sin. 
Lord, please accept our repentance. And I pray that you would forgive us through this blood. And that as we go from here, we would share, that we would testify to what you have done in our lives. That we would share your gospel. That we would tell the stories of your work in our lives. So that others may come to know you and that you would receive the glory that you deserve. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.